I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Well, the Bucs lose another game to the Atlanta Falcons, 34-32 on Matt Bryant's late field goal. But that's not the big news. Dirk Cutter has lost his job. That was announced by the Bucs three hours after the game. Jason Light, the Bucks general manager, will be the one in charge of leading the search for a new head coach. So Jason Light survives. We've got a ton of news on the Bucks, what it means going forward for Jameis Winston, for others. All of this and more on Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Burstink. Hey, you know, before we get started, I know Christmas is over, but you know what? If your wife or girlfriend didn't like what she got... I got an answer for you. Go see my friend Andy at Continental Wholesale Diamonds. That's where you're going to get the best prices. And for our listeners only, you get 20% off all jewelry purchases. So if you're looking for a statement piece, maybe some diamond earrings or a bracelet or a necklace, or maybe you want to get engaged, even though it's after the holidays, we've got a great selection of engagement rings at Continental Wholesale Diamonds. That's where you want to go. You're going to save the most money. And for right now, our listeners only get 20% off all jewelry purchases. It's Continental Wholesale Diamonds is where I shop. They're at 1715 Northwest Shore Boulevard, Suite 150, right next to the Penthouse Club. All right, so Steve, a very eventful day, obviously, uh, in the Bucks' final game that they played. They wind up losing to the Atlanta Falcons 34-32. Strange the curse game, of Matt one Bryant. Day. Well, it struck again. As Although some people were saying, you know what, maybe Matt Bryant took the curse off because by making the field goal, he actually gave the Bucks a much better draft pick. Yeah, they're now, fifth, I believe. They're fifth a... overall, yeah. So um, I'm not sure I would look at it that way. But, you know, strange game is that the Bucks they jump out to a 17 to nothing lead. Then they find themselves down by 11 points. Then they fight back, take a one-point lead, and really get to a third down situation where even if – you know, Atlanta makes the field goal. There's going to be about a minute and 40 left for the Bucks to go back down and try to win it with a field goal. Uh, but then they give up a, a first down pass to Julio Jones on some really bad soft coverage in zone. Uh, and then they run the clock all the way down. Matt Bryant bangs it home from 36 yards. And that's your ball game. The Bucks are 5-11 and 11 for the second straight year. And that's just not going to get it done for Dirk Cutter, uh, who really could never build on his first season when he went 9-7. and seven. Uh, Jameis Winston, you know, played pretty well. I mean, I think he threw for over 330 yards, four touchdowns, one interception that was an unfortunate play. Uh, actually, a pretty good throw to Mike Evans. It bounced off his hands and was tipped up in the air and intercepted, and that led to the first go-ahead touchdown uh, by the Falcons. So, unfortunate that a turnover got him again. But, um, you know, it wasn't about the game on Sunday. I mean, we did talk to Dirk Cutter afterwards, and, and you know, Really, for the last, I want to say, five, six weeks, Dirk has been sort of, I think, resigned himself to the to the belief that he was going to get fired because he's been in coaching, you know, for 35 years. He's been in the NFL for a long time, uh, and there were so many expectations. And when you start out 2-0, and um, as it turns out, you know, they, they wound up, uh, you know, winning just, what, three of their final 14 games, including a four-game losing streak, which is the longest active losing streak to end the season. 
So the writing was on the wall, and you know they had another opportunity to win a game, but it went like so many games have gone this year that in talking to Dirk, we know he's talked in the third person a lot lately. Um, he said uh, prior to learning he had been fired. That I've been fired before, and I've been hired before, and I know this. If you look yourself in the mirror at the end of the day and know you did everything you could, then I got no problem holding my head up. He knows that. While they had, you know, great numbers on offense, the only numbers that matter is a win-loss record. So they did indeed. Uh, we were writing our stories. We were, you know, gathering information about some stuff. And then about 7.20, the club put out a news release that Dirk had been relieved of his duties, and they were naming Jason Light as the one that would uh, lead the new coaching search, which means Jason Light, despite, you know, some questionable drafts and, and obviously some free agent uh, signings he probably wished he had back, uh, we'll get a chance to hire another head coach. He hired Dirk Cutter to replace Lovey Smith, and uh, since that didn't work out, he's going to have a chance to go back into uh, into that business and then and then hire the Bucks' next head coach. So uh, again, I, I I don't think Dirk was stunned by this. Uh, some of the players felt bad for Dirk, felt bad for his staff, and that's the thing. You know, his coaching staff largely uh, their contracts expire in February, so most of them are up now. A guy like uh, maybe Brenson Buckner could return because he's new on the staff and he may have an extra year or so on his contract. Uh, but for the most part, guys like Todd Munkin and others, they're going to be moving on unless for some reason a new head coach wants to retain them and it's a better offer than maybe what they'll have outside of one buck. But uh, it's it's tragic for fan, you know the families of some of these coaches. And like Dirk said, they choose their profession. This is not, you know, this is just part of it. You're hired to be fired in some instances. Um, but, you know, today was like all other days, Steve. It was frustrating because this team absolutely could play offense. You know, that's the one thing that Dirk Cutter brought to them, a historic offense. They wound up setting franchise records for the most points in franchise history, 396, the most total yards, 6648, uh, the most passing yards, 5,125, and the most touchdown passes, 36, in club history. Um, and those are not easy numbers to accomplish. I know that it's an offensive league, and some of the some of the totals are going up. But that's that's a heck of a of an accomplishment. And yet, the one thing that Dirk Cutter and others could not prevent were the turnovers that just absolutely killed them all season. And one got them again on Sunday. But you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick and Jameis combined for 26 interceptions. That's also a club record. So you know, the defense. Could not hold when, when Jameis Winston got him in the end zone with about five minutes to go. The Bucks had an opportunity to get off the field and preserve the game. They couldn't do it. That's sort of been what's happened all year is that they've given up late touchdowns that they're either tying or going ahead in the game. We remember, of course, Cincinnati was one of those where Ryan Fitzpatrick came off the bench and tied the game, and they allowed Cincinnati to go down the field and kick a field goal. So we've seen this game before, and unfortunately – it wound up getting Dirk Cutter, and um, you know I, I think Dirk did some nice things. I, I think that uh, you know he wasn't going to be able to survive the record, the two five and eleven seasons. The Bucks finished in the cellar again in the NFC South. Um, that's not a good thing, and so uh, you know without any market improvement, although there was better offensive numbers and and presumably better players on that side of the ball, they just didn't get it done. So. Uh, I guess you could be curious, Steve, why Jason Light 
um, you know, was managed to be retained. Because if you just look at Jason's record, who's been here one year longer than Dirk, it's certainly worse. In fact, it's now officially worse than what Mark Dominic's was after the same length of time. But the Glazers are going to trust him. Um, he's 27-53, by the way. They're going to trust him to conduct this head coaching search, uh, which will begin immediately, and we'll just have to see where that lands us. There's all kinds of uh, rumors, Steve, during the, during the game uh, that were coming out. Of course, some reports we you know we have reported for weeks on end about you know Jay, the Bucks wanting Jameis back as their starter. Uh, there was a report I think on ESPN that one team that will be searching for a head coach plan to uh, contact the Baltimore Ravens and, and inquire about whether or not they could work out a trade. I thought that was interesting. Uh, of course, there's been a lot of you know speculation about Jim Harbaugh in Michigan, but I think it's fairly certain that he's he's staying where he's put. Um, so you know there was there was a lot sort of swirling around the box even before the game began, and now you can let the speculation begin in earnest because they are going to have to hire a new head coach and. Uh, Jason Light's going to leave that effort, but um, I don't know. It's uh, it's it's sort of, you know. I think I think Dirk did some nice things, and like I said, he was at peace with his decision. I don't know what what's in the future for him, whether he plans to continue coaching or not. I think there's still a possibility that maybe he walks away altogether. But he's owed another year. He's got another year coming to him as far as compensation goes. But this was the time to do it because all the assistant coaches are virtually up. Their contracts are up in February, um, and with the exception of maybe Brenton Buckner. So, uh, you know, there's uh, the the timing seems right in many ways as well. Well, my my question is based on the move and the non-move today with Jason Light is, is this the Glazers saying that they believe that the roster is good enough and Dirk just wasn't a good enough coach? I think it is showing confidence in what Jason Light has built uh, in terms of the talent on this team. I don't think they feel like the talent matches the record. I think they think they're way more talented uh, than five wins and that they have done a good job. Uh, and, and, you know, the evidence of that would be the offense in particular and the fact that they are, you know, uh, one of the top offenses in the league and they set all these franchise records. So you can't do that without players. You frankly can't do that without pretty good quarterbacks and wide receivers. Um, and we, we know that the Bucks, you know, have talent on that side of the ball. But I think it is an acknowledgement that, you know what, the, the, the coaching wasn't as good as the roster that was given to him. Now, we can debate that. Um, you know, we certainly know the list of, of misses that Jason has had. But I think the owners bought into the fact that, hey, this is not a five-win team. This is not what a five-win team looks like. It's not what a five-win team does on offense, you know. So Jason, I think, uh, probably had the owner's ear. And, you know, they were able to look at this thing and say, we're, we should be winning more games. You know, it's not about points, but we, or it's not about yards, but we should be winning, you know, winning the close games. Uh, again, in the one-score games, they weren't very good at. And they kind of just followed, followed a pattern. You know, they either fell behind and had to fight their butts off to get back and then lose at the end, or they would, you know, get a lead and then and then not be able to hang on to it. So they've got a lot of work to do, you know, roster-wise, but, you know, the biggest thing they got to do now is hire a head coach. And so any head coach that's coming in here uh, is going to be screened by Jason Light, is going to be probably working uh, for an existing GM, which I think changes 
sort of the the type of. Well, I was just going to say that. So I'm assuming, based on this move, that the next head coach will not have control of the 53 man roster like Lovey Smith had previously with Jason Lee. That's what I would assume, unless they're so big and, and have so much power that Jason then takes on you know more of a, of the role he had with Lovey. But quite frankly, I mean, I think this was a signal to all the potential head coaching candidates out there that if you want the Tampa Bay job, you're going to be working for J- for Jason Light. And, you know, like I said, if if I'm John Harbaugh, let's say the Baltimore Ravens were even inclined to trade him because he's up after next season, um, I don't know that I want Jason Light buying my groceries or not. I don't even know that I would know who Jason Light is. I mean, many of these guys do know each other. Um, some do not. So, I, I think this is sort of a signal that whoever they get has to be or will be comfortable, you know, sort of sort of working with Jason and letting him take control of the roster and, and then them trying to build it, you know, build it together. So uh, I, I don't think it'll go any other way, but I guess I guess there's always a chance that it could. But it just seems like, you know, that that's what they're going to do. Is there any chance they've already picked a head coach? Well, I, mean, I know you, there is a chance. you have to go through Rooney Rule and some other hoops you have to jump exactly. through. And, and exactly. I, not to diminish that, but that's part of the process that teams have it to is. go through. It is. And I think a lot of teams, you know, in the past have had a guy in mind, maybe even been further down the road than that, but wanted to at least fulfill, you know, the spirit of the Rooney Rule, which is to talk to um, minority coaches, you know, before at least one before you make a decision. The answer is I don't know. I mean, the Glazers have always jumped out and tried to to hire somebody out of the box, somebody right away. They're, they 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 don't always get their person. I mean, obviously, you know, a couple of years ago, they were looking for Chip Kelly. He stood him up at the altar. That's how they ended up with Greg Schiano. You know, so they're big game hunters, but they don't always they don't always land them. So I don't know that they've actually hired somebody already. I will say there's some interesting names out there. We've talked about, of course, you know, the, the usual suspects like the Harbaugh's. And then, of course, there's the former head coach of the Green Bay Packers, uh, Mike McCarthy's out mm-hmm. there. Um, you've got, you know, various uh, offensive coordinators, whether you're talking about John G. Filippo, who was fired by the Vikings, but nonetheless is a name that's been bantered about. A lot of different guys. Here's one that I'm going to tell you, though, is starting to make more and more sense to me. And that guy's name is Bruce Arians. And, you know, Bruce is someone that Dirk, uh, I'm sorry, that Jason Light has experience with. Jason Light was the vice president of player personnel with the Arizona Cardinals. Um, You know, as I understand it, Arians is still under control by the Cardinals until, you know, for the year 2019. Now, you know, his reasons for leaving, I think, were partially health related, but he has said he wants to come back to coaching again. He talked about early on that the Cleveland Browns would be one of the only jobs that he was interested in. Then I, then I read a story that said, no, no, he's interested in coming back some other places as well. Um, but, but you know, the obviously the relationship between him and Jason Light makes sense. And you know that they're going to try to save Jameis Winston and hire um, sort of a quarterback whisperer and a guy that's also already been an NFL head coach, which is something that Dirk had not been, and that may have hurt him overall. But Arians has. And if you look, Steve, at the number of quarterbacks and who these quarterbacks are that Bruce Arians has had success with in his career, how about Ben Roethlisberger, somebody that Winston is compared to a lot, 
both on and unfortunately off the field with some of the off-field problems. How about Peyton Manning or Andrew Luck or Carson Palmer? I mean, these are the sort of quarterbacks that this guy has has worked with. And on top of that, um, he knows Jameis Winston. He, he's had him in his camps back going back as far as middle school. So he's known Jameis and his family for a good long time. There's just so much that makes sense about this. And again, I haven't confirmed anything with anybody. Um, I know there's been some reports. Not to mention, by the way, the New York Jets fired Todd Bowles. Mm-hmm. Well, what was Todd Bowles doing? He used to be the defensive coordinator of the Arizona Cardinals when they were really, really good. So you wonder if maybe you know you could have a pairing, if you will, of Bruce Arians and Todd Bowles, obviously two NFL head coaches, but one guy that's really good on offense, one guy that's really good on defense, and if, if that wouldn't excite a fan base because they have name recognition, they've had success, and, you know, it's it's really all about saving Jameis at this point. You you know, you'd, you'd want a guy like Arians that isn't in it for the, you know, the long rebuild, you know. I mean, Arians, I think, is, is either going to be or is around 67 years old. So he's, you know, about seven years older than Dirk. Um, so he would want to come in, take advantage of a roster, and a core that's already here, and try to turn Jameis around and win right away. And I think that's sort of what the Glazers want to do. They, I don't think they see this as a total overhaul. Um, well, they, they obviously don't think of it as a total overhaul because they kept no. Jason Light. So they're saying they, they the, kept the, the roster doesn't need an overhaul. Obviously, that's it's tweaking right. and there's changes, but. That's right. Yep. That statement did it right there. By keeping Jason Light, you like the talent. You want to add to it, but you like the talent. You like the core that is here. You just want somebody to take your quarterback, another voice, another system perhaps, and straighten him out. And if you cut down on the turnovers, you know, you really got something. So, look, there's a lot of good coaches out there. We're going to hear a billion names. There's no doubt about that. When they went through this process before, when Jason did, after Lovey Smith was fired, I think he interviewed one Rooney Rule candidate in Arizona, oddly enough. Um, but it took about a week or so. Dirk actually went out to San Francisco and interviewed for the 49ers job at that time. And then they came back. And about a week later, uh, you know, they named they named Dirk the head coach. So that's sort of the timetable I'm thinking of in my head. I don't, again, I don't know exactly, you know, who they've contacted. There could be surprise candidates in there. You know, a lot of people are like, well, what about Urban Meyer? Or what about Jimbo Fisher? Or what about, you know, this or that? Um, look, anybody, anybody's possible. But I don't think they did this, you know, on the spur of the moment. I think this is something that they have had and time to think about. And it wouldn't surprise me if we don't start seeing some candidates showing up here, either in Tampa or them meeting with candidates elsewhere. So that's it for the Dirk Cutter era. Um, I enjoyed working with Dirk. I, I think, like I said, he handled everything with class. He was very complimentary to the Glazers. Even even before the announcement, you know, this is three hours before the announcement, just right after the game. And, um, you know, I, I think he's at peace with it, too. And like I said, I'm not sure. Sh- I don't know. You know, people will assume well, he's going to get another job as a coordinator. Look, he's he's coached for 35 years. And even though he's going to turn 60 in February, he's got, you know, a son that plays football at Portland State. He's got four children all together, a couple of, of – they're all grown but a couple of young women that are into coaching and other things so it it could just be that you know he's made enough money he's got one more year left on his contract maybe he doesn't jump back into working right away right away 
um, and might you know might want to you know take some downtime. But we'll we'll see we'll see what Dirk's decision is. The bigger decision is going to be who takes over this football team. And <clears throat> you know what? Rightly or wrongly, people will think, hey, maybe they should have moved on from Jameis. Um, you know, if you watch Jameis on Sunday, you, you again. You saw so many good things, and yes, there was a ball batted up in the air, but he put that ball right in Mike Evans' hands. Really nothing a quarterback could do about it. But he played very, very well under duress. A lot of uh, decisions he had to make about tucking and running and you know, avoiding uh, the sacks and, and locating receivers downfield. I actually thought he played one of his better games. And it's got to be frustrating for Jameis Winston at this point that, you know, I was up. 17, down 11, came back, you know, went ahead with about four or five minutes to go and put his team in great position to win, and the defense couldn't hold it. So, um, you know, you can't – again, he's not blameless because he still has the second most turnovers next to uh, Blake Bortles in Jacksonville. So that's that's on him. And yet I kind of felt like he deserved a better fate, as did the Bucs on Sunday – and we'll see. You know, he's going to get one year with a new head coach at minimum because they picked up the fifth-year option. He wasn't injured, so, you know, they, they don't have to guarantee it now since he wasn't injured when they get to March. But I suspect whoever they bring in here, Steve, is, gonna, is going to know in advance that Jameis Winston is your starting quarterback. And I think having the GM here, you know, uh, sort of tells them that that's the direction you're going. Well, I think time will tell, but – what I'm curious is, is in you know, we've talked about this. I believe Jameis Winston will be a quarterback on this team. I don't know if he's guaranteed the starting position. Well, perhaps I not. Mean, but you're you drafting fifth. To... You could you easily take a quarterback you, there. You could. You could. And, and Jameis but could boy. be in a competition. I mean, I think Jameis is on the roster. And I, I believe Jameis will pr- most likely be the starter. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's guaranteed. And I don't think I you're don't gonna, think it... I don't think you're telling a head coach coming in that it's guaranteed. I don't think, you're, I think I don't you're, think you're signing a free agent like Nick Foles, who's now may get a huge contract after what he's done this season. That's right. That's I don't right. think you're doing that. But mm-hmm. if you if you're drafting a quarterback at number five, the only thing about that I would say, Steve, is that, and I know what you're saying. And if you liked one that that well, you should you, you probably should draft them because your guy is not a slam dunk. Um, but it sure seems to me that there are windows of, of winning in the NFL and mm-hmm. you've really only got one year with Jameis. I mean, you know, if he doesn't, if he doesn't turn this around next year and what I mean, I mean, win games, not just, you know, mm-hmm. have decent numbers mm-hmm. or whatever, but if he doesn't win games next year, then, you know, most likely he's not going to be here and you're going to need a quarterback. But I think, I think in the, in lieu of that, you've got to give this guy every chance to win and utilize your, you know, your draft picks now to try to put players around him, whether it's on offense or defense. So, to me, they're in a real short-term mode. You know what I mean? Like whatever they do, as far as coaching goes, as far as the draft goes or free agency, I think I think they have a small window because this quarterback's in his fifth and final year. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. 
Well, but you can always franchise him after this. You don't have to go for the you long-term. You absolutely can't. You don't That's have to right. go for You'd the long-term delighted. contract after this. Now, no. franchising costs you more money, but it's a one-year deal. It it's not, you know, you're not locked into a five, six, whatever year deal it is. Right, right. So it's not like after next year you've lost Jameis at this point. Or, you know, no, you have, to, you have to commit to a long-term deal. But Right. Yeah, not if he performs. I guess you're rooting for him to do that. It's just there's no guarantee. Um, but I would I would think that you'd want to get as many good players in here for your first year as possible. This this is not like you said. This is not a rebuild. Um, there are some good pieces here, and you know, and that's sort of what Dirk Cutter said was, look, you know, I appreciate the Glazers for giving me this chance. It's it's great to be a head coach in the NFL, and let me tell you, I've been to enough owners' meetings to tell you that is absolutely the case. These guys get plenty of perks. I don't have telethons for them, but I do feel for some of the coaches on the staff that don't haven't made the kind of money that Dirk mm-hmm. or other head coaches have made because now they they're talking about packing up their families, t- packing up their kids, going to different schools. There's about 20 unemployed coaches and some of them are a little bitter, quite frankly. I think you know th- there's probably a couple that feel like hey, wait a minute, Jason Light was a part of all this, you know, wh- why does he get to stay, you know? I remember going through that with Mark Dominic and his staff when they got fired, and they had lost 10 in a row, so it wasn't a surprise. Um, but they felt like Dominic should have been fired along with him, and he wasn't. Um, so I don't, know, I don't know how much animus there might be as a result of that. But it's, uh, it's a tough day, and, you know, um, again, I, I think that, that Dirk saw this coming. In mm-hmm. fact, I know he did because I talked to him this week on Thursday, uh, and he mentioned that while he hadn't heard anything, he certainly, you know, was not going to be surprised or caught off guard by it, and um, you know, and that's and that's exactly what happened. So one note, on, guess, one note on Dirk, and, and this shocked me last week when we were talking about this off the air. Mm-hmm. He finishes as the third winningest coach in Bucks history yeah. as far as win percentage. Percentage goes. Mm-hmm. Quite amazing that you know, as much as we think about that, he's it kind of t- t- speaks about the franchise history too, but. I think it does. I think it tells you how bad it's been. Um, you know, and I mean, look, John McKay's in the ring of honor, but they lost all those games to start his tenure here sure. that you hardly want to, you know, stick the 0-26 on him because of the lack of talent they had. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the expectation. You know, Dirk, you know, Dirk did a good job, but um, they want somebody to take him to the playoffs, and, and it is weird that he's the third winningest coach. Yeah, behind Dungey um, and Gruden in that order. The Dungey and the other two guys are in the honor. So it's good company, but you're not on the right side of 500. And so they're going to make changes and, you know, somebody else will have a chance to come in here. The one, you know, I, I don't, I've said this before, but I don't buy into, you know, hey, it's the culture and no one can win here. And, you know, right now, look, this is simplistic, but we've said it before. The quarterback and the turnovers in particular from the quarterback is what got this coaching staff fired. You just can't draft a guy in the first round if he doesn't turn out. Um, and you lose games as a result of turnovers. Some Somebody's going to go down. I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's just the reality. One other guy that uh, at least seemed as if maybe he's played his last game, although I, I don't think that's the case, but we'll see, is Gerald McCoy. He was very down after the game and of course McCoy has been here nine seasons that's how long Warren Sapp was here and his you know his numbers his production really wasn't uh didn't really match his compensation this year 
And he's due to make nine or what is it, thirteen million dollars? Yep. In two thousand and nineteen, which is a lot of money, but it's Steve, not I would think that it's not guaranteed, which is not why guaranteed. it could be his last last game today. That's right. And so for the first time in his career, he doesn't have the guaranteed money. Um, production isn't really really high, and and yet you know the way he was acting, it was almost as if like he really believed this that he's played perhaps his last game in a Bucks uniform. I tend to think that no matter who you bring in as a head coach, you're going to look at your roster and you're going to see Gerald McCoy. Uh, and the film isn't that bad. He had seven sacks. He still commands double teams. You got Vita Vea playing better next to him. Um, you know, for one year, I would think that you might want to you might want to carry him even at 13 million. Because what's going to happen is, let's say you want to trade him, as soon as you pick up the phone, you know somebody's going to know that uh, you're probably releasing him that you don't want to pay the 13 million. So unless you know, if they're unless they're not bidding against themselves and they really really want the player, um, their thoughts are going to be, well, if you're not going to pay him 13 million, why should I? And just let him become a free agent. So, you know, if there's a market for him, you know that that would be different. I don't personally think he's played his last game because I think that a veteran coach uh, or somebody that comes in here is going to look at that defense and say, you know, I still want my best players at least for a year until Vita gets going. Now, the draft can change that. Um, you know, since the money's not guaranteed, you can really release release him at any time. So, you know, I, I think this is going to take some time to suit out, but it was interesting to see just sort of how emotional he was after the game. He sat there for a long time without moving or dressing, and then when he finally was interviewed, you know, he was just a, a very, very emotional uh, about things so anyway i'll be at one buck place this morning bright and early it was late night but i'll be there around nine o'clock i think the players are supposed to have a meeting sometime on or about 10 and then it's into the locker room where they take their glad shopping bags or garbage bags and you know empty the contents of the locker and then that's it that's a wrap and we'll have to just wait uh, until we get news about the bucks and their coaching search and and just where that's headed and everything but We'll hear from a lot of players tomorrow, get more reaction about Dirk Cutter's firing, about, you know, who they'd like to have as a head coach, um, and, and maybe just more information uh, about that. Meanwhile, Steve, I was watching this game the other night, and, boy, you know, it's hard to really pick nits with the Lightning because, well, they haven't lost in the entire month of December in regulation. So Set franchise records for points in a month, wins in a month, Kucherov with points in a month. Uh, Stamkos has had his scoring streak snap, but he's been on a heck of a roll. Yeah. No, it's just nuts. It's nuts, and yet they seem to have this Achilles like, okay, so they always fall behind, and that's, that's you know, that's one thing. But, man, they're giving up some goals. They win again 6-5 in overtime, uh, you know, in, in a game that, let's face it, there was some really good action, you know. It was up and back and uh, up and down the ice. So, but man, ever since Andre Vasilevsky's gone between the pipes, they're just getting they're, this guy's getting so many great scoring chances against him, and he's coming up huge. But they get a they little cute coming out of their own end, and and you think that's I think it? sometimes with Vasilevsky in there, they yeah. try to make some passes they shouldn't. Whether it's mm. you know you're in, in close as they're forechecking and you're kind of putting in front of the net, or you're trying the long stretch pass more often. Where yeah. you're not making the simple play to get out of your zone, you're trying to make a tremendous play, mm-hmm. and 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 teams look, team scout, they watch tape, they know what you're trying yep. to do, 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and look, if, if you want to try to stop the lightning, you've got to forecheck hard. You've got to have your sticks on the ice and getting in the, those passing lanes because the lightning like a, to pass a lot and particularly a lot of those stretch passes. And I think sometimes they fall in love with trying to make that perfect play and, and they know they have Vasilevsky behind them. So part right. of it is, is, you know, I can take a, a little better chance. And, and I think sometimes it burns them a little bit. It does, and and I feel I feel a little bit for Andre because I think they're taking him for granted somewhat. But the the bottom line is just the bottom line. These guys find a way to win, whether it's overtime or um, shootouts, whatever they have to do. But you know they win again. Uh, they, they, you can't have a better month than what they're having. They still got some really hot players in Steven Stamkos and whatnot. But uh, um, well, the other thing is I, if you look at I, it too, six five. I mean, yeah, a lot of the, if you if you ask a lot of these teams. Whether it was the Anaheim game and they're at Anaheim tonight, but when Anaheim came in here and beat the Lightning, and I think Montreal on Saturday night, I think uh, Philly on Thursday night, I think you know you think back to the Panthers and, and several of their games, the Lightning are the best team in the NHL. Everybody's mm-hmm. giving them their best shot. Yep, they are. Every that's right. Uh, so many of these games, these teams walk away and they'll get beat. Some of them getting beat five to two. Going, we played really well tonight. Hmm. You know, but they're going up against the best team. Is that every team that's playing the Lightning? First of all, doesn't want to be embarrassed, and they know the Lightning has you know an embarrassment of riches and talent. So you've got to come, you've got to come ready to play. So the the, the other teams are coming ready to play, and they're giving it their best shot because this is a measuring stick game. This is the best team coming in. I mean, the Lightning have an X on their back every game, and I think you're seeing a lot of these teams executing really well. Because they're trying, you know, everybody wants to knock the big dog off as as they should, and I, right. I think you know, I think you're getting their best shot in a lot of these games, even though you know some of these teams are middle of the pack or questionable whether they're going to make the playoffs, and even some of them, you know, lower than that, they don't want to be embarrassed, so they're coming out knowing we we have to play well tonight, and the Lightning take those those shots, and and they've given up some goals from it, and they've played a little leaky, but man, they find a way to win. They do know how to win. When it's winning time, they win. They can fall behind. They they tie it up. It, nothing seems to phase them. Um, but yeah, it's it it's just a little. You know, even Cooper said he said, "Look, we can't be giving up that many good scoring chances. We can't, you know, be winning six five every night. It's not helping our goaltenders." So um, I think they know they need to clean it up. But what a thing to pick about when they haven't lost in the entire month of uh, December and it's. January is literally, you know, tomorrow. So and Jillian Breezebois uh, had kind of a state of the the union address the other day because yeah. the halfway point of the season will be uh, Thursday night after they play at L.A. So obviously mm-hmm. they're on the road trip. So he kind of met with the media and, and a couple of things came out of it. One, Chernak's not going down. Right, he's here to stay. So when everybody gets back healthy, you know, we've talked about there's a one roster move to make: Joseph or Chernak. Assuming you have a full roster, those are the only two that can go down to Syracuse without clearing waivers. And he pretty much said Joseph's, you know, the team plays better when Joseph's on the ice. So right. you, you kind of get the feeling that if they ever get a full roster back, and JT Miller right now is on injured reserve as, as he got hurt the other night, that you kind of wonder, you know, is, is a Slater Cuckoo going to be cut or dealt or tried to send down to Syracuse? So I think someone would claim him. Or Danik Martell, will, will he be the same thing? You know, it'll it'll be interesting what they now. These things tend to f- find a way to work out, and a lot of times you have someone on injured reserve, so maybe you don't have to worry about it. But you know, some interesting comments from Julian Breezeball. Yeah, they were, and like I said, I, you hate to pick nits, but I mean this this hockey team is clearly the best team in you know in the NHL right now, and um, I don't know, I I 
I kind of feel like it's Stanley Cup or bust for these guys, but they're so deep and 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 so explosive. I mean, they fall behind. You don't even bat an eye anymore. They're down two to nothing in this game, and before you know, they're up three to two. It's just that that's how talented they are and how quick they can strike and how explosive they are on offense. Mm-hmm. They just need to do a better job in front of their goaltender a little bit, and then you got nothing really to complain about. And how about Saturday night? The game tying and game winning goals come from Adam Ernie. Adam Ernie, yeah. With two goals. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and the second one was a beauty. It was. The, the talent on this team and, and how well they all play together. And, and I think, you know, I think some of that, you know, everyone's pushing each other too. Mm-hmm. You know, Matthew Joseph comes back and, you know, you know, you know that you don't play well. You could, you could be the one sitting. That's right. Braden Coburn missed uh, the game the other night because they're kind of rotating defensemen now. With they've got you know seven of their rotation, Cuckoo's kind of been sent on a conditioning assignment, but you know so they're kind of resting guys, whether it's Girardi or Coburn or Sergachev or Chernak, and it was you know Coburn's time. But you know if you don't, don't play well, you may sit more often. Not only are they deep, but they're they've got guys on the bench that are good too, pushing for time, and that just makes everyone better. Absolutely. Speaking of the weekend, I was watching the Lightning while I was watching the college semifinal, the national championship games. You stayed awake? No surprise. Yeah, I did, uh, even though they were blowouts. But no surprise, we're back to Alabama-Clemson Part 4. I had a buddy of mine text me this afternoon saying, was this the most boring college football season ever? And it was. I don't think the season I, was. I, I don't know about the season, but I mean, just you knew what was going to happen at the beginning of the season. It was Alabama Clemson. It was always going to be. I would have taken maybe anticlimactic, maybe a better word than boring. But yeah, it's anticlimactic. I mean, I definitely would have given you the rest of the field and taken those two, and been right and comfortable that I was going to be right. But you know what, Steve? Those two programs are just so much better than anybody else's. I mean, there's no other way to say it. Oh, they've earned Nick it. Saban, they've earned it. Absolutely. Yeah, Nick Saban and, and Dabo Sweeney. And hey, you know, for those people, look, I think eventually they're going to. Exp- Ban the postseason. I, I absolutely think it's required that they have to do that, and uh, and it would be interesting, say, if say Georgia, who was taking you know Alabama to the wire and then mm-hmm. some, actually kind of blew those games. Yeah, Ohio know, State would the, be in at that point. Ohio State would be in it, and they were playing. They were very very hot at the time, so you have a chance to get some hot teams in there. Um, you know, I expect it to change. Now, am I upset that Alabama Clemson? who are very evenly matched in many ways, are going to give me another epic national championship to watch? No, I'm not. <laughs> Sorry. I would rather see them than a, than, than a team that somehow you know, has less ability and somehow snuck in there because these are clearly the two best teams, and I want to be entertained by the best players. Make sense? I mean, I... I don't. I don't have a problem with Alabama Clemson being in round. Look, four I think it's. Point. I think it's fun to see other new teams in there, but if yeah. they're not as good, you don't want to see them in the championship. You know, a lot of the storylines between Dabo and, and Nick Saban excite been me. Written. No, yeah, you know, but they're clearly the two best teams in college football. So if I want a national championship game, that's who I. If it's not my team in there, right? Otherwise, I want to see the best teams. I want to see a good game. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, the semifinals see... weren't, but you hope the championship is. No. They might make up for it, but yeah. No, I, I'm i okay with Alabama, and I'm okay with Clemson, and um, I think this is going to be a good game. You're right. Those other two games were duds. It wasn't wasn't very competitive, to say the least, but um, you know that's that's sort of the way that the state of college football um, you know, is right now. Look, a lot of these bowl games, and I think before the semifinals, I think I saw somewhere where – 
12 of the bowl games so far have been decided by more than 20 points. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's yeah. It's been a pretty bad postseason for college football. Which, by the way, I think know. we successfully predicted your Michigan Wolverines were not going to be motivated against Florida. Oh, absolutely. I mean, first of all, four players didn't you know play the game. And I think that took some players, of their, their yeah. team their teammates off, including Chase Winovich. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But, yeah, I think, I think Florida was thrilled to be there and excited. And this was – you know, rebuilding the program and and Dan Mullen's first season and and you know, yeah. look the good things they've done all year. And Michigan was expecting to be in the you know college football playoff until they you know laid an egg against Ohio State. And so, were they really excited? Not really. Right. No, I I would agree. But you know, those games were blowouts. I still think it's going to be a great a great national championship. So. Man, we've got a lot going on. Like I said, uh, well, in Miami, we didn't talk also about Mark college Richt. football. That's right, Mark Rick. Where'd that come from? I'm sitting here watching the game, you know, at at, uh, at Raymond James, and it comes across that Mark Rick retired, up and retired, which is an odd timing to say the least when you're just past the first wave of National Recruiting Day. Well, but I guess you want to do that then, bef- then before the. National Recruiting Day, because they promoted within. Manny Diaz, the defensive coordinator, has been promoted to the head coach now as of Sunday night. Right. So if you're going to promote within, you probably want that continuity. You don't want to, you know, announce that before signing day and have recruits question that. They'll be leaving, right. Or if they caught wind of it, they'd be telling everybody that he's going to retire and this is his last year, what have you. I should have known when Brad Johnson's son, who's a quarterback, left-handed one, uh, ended up going to LSU instead of Miami that something was up. I really should have known that because Brad is married to Mark Rick's do- uh, Mark Rick's, uh, sister. So they are in-laws. And okay. rather than go play for his uncle, <laughs> um, I think Max, Max Johnson, quarterback, uh, decided to go instead to LSU and go play for Ed Orgeron up there at LSU. So interesting choice Boy, by him. Pepper so, gumbo. Exactly. So we'll see, you know, we'll see how that works out. Miami's got to do a better job of recruiting first and foremost. And uh, that, that program is I'm a little nervous well, they gotta, about They got to find an offense and they promoted their defense coordinator sure. to head coach. So they need right. to find a quarterback in an offense because their defense has been good. Yeah. Well, find a quarterback is like any level is the key. And it used to be Miami had them, had them lined up, you know, from Jim Kelly to Vanny Tersteverdi to Bernie Kozar. But um, that has not been the case in the quote-unquote state of Miami uh, recently. So, I don't know. It's it's football to me. College football is more interesting when the marquee teams are good. Um, so, from a selfish standpoint, I don't root for anybody, but it would be good to see them getting it turned around. I thought Mark Rick was the right guy for that job. Um, I really did. And I don't know his reasons for stepping away, and I'm sure they're good ones. We'll see if Miami well, look, look, can, in, in the three uh, seasons. Back. In the three seasons, Miami's in a better position now than they were three years ago. You think so? I well, I saw uh, Matt Baker had, a, had an interesting tweet, and I'll see if I can pull it up real quick. But someone had asked about, you know, um, is the program better off before or after uh, Mark Richt? And here's what Matt Baker responded with: Pre-Richt, no bowl win in a decade. No uh, big time tier bowl in more than a decade. Zero coastal titles and lost fifty eight nothing at home with Rick. Mm-hmm. Won a bowl game. Won a, was in a New York Six Bowl first ACC title game appearance and didn't lose fifty eight nothing at home. Mm. Yeah, I mean they're in a better spot. I'm not saying they're in a great they're spot, but yeah, they're you better. Know, Miami was down for pretty much a decade, mm-hmm. and that that doesn't that that takes a lot of time to come back from. 
So whether he yeah. was the right candidate, right, right coach or not, I don't know if we'll know because he only stayed three seasons. But they're in a better spot than they were. Yeah. Can Manny Diaz get them to the next level? That's the question. Yeah, Miami needs to come back. I think college football is more interesting when it does. So we got the national championship game coming up in not too long. And, of course, uh, I'll be at One Buck Place this morning, bright and early, to talk to players as they pack up the contents of the locker room, locker, and start heading home and maybe a chance. I'm not sure if Jason Light's going to address us or not, but certainly he's in charge of this whole coaching uh, search, so maybe mm-hmm. he will. And we'll follow that all through the week here on Sports Day Tampa Bay. It's going to be a busy week. I know how these things go. Could be a week, could be a couple weeks, could be a month. You just don't know depending on who they're actually pursuing. But we should have a pretty good idea uh, of at least one or two coaches, I would think, by the end of the week that they'll, they'll probably have to interview. So, and a lot light, of changes. Lightning tonight play in Anaheim mm-hmm. as you celebrate New Year's Eve. Happy New Year's to, yes. to all. And I uh, hope everyone has, enjoys their evening tonight. Absolutely. And be safe. You know, this is one of those evenings where, you know, if you can stay close to home, certainly don't drink and drive and all that sort of thing. Uh, we want to see you in 2019. And, and thanks to everybody that's, you know, look, Steve, we're coming up on a year on this podcast. It's hard to believe, but, uh, well, actually we we've been doing out. it longer than that, but we kind of officially with Tom Jones left yeah. just, just under oh, sure. a year ago. So sure. But right about right at the been, Super Bowl last year. Yeah. Since it's been sports day, Tampa Bay was at the Super Bowl a year ago right after the first game. But uh, 2018 has been great, and we've gotten lots of good feedback and continue to try to, to do things better. And um, our sponsors have been terrific, and especially Continental Wholesale Diamonds. Please, please, if you like this podcast, support us. Go see Continental Wholesale Diamonds. Andy over there is going to take care of you uh, to uh, hook you up for whatever your jewelry needs are. And you get 20% off for listening for this podcast to get the best prices already. 1715 Northwest Shore Boulevard, Suite 150. Uh, that's right next to the Penthouse Club Continental Wholesale Diamonds. I'm going to try to get some rest. We got lots of coaching stuff in our future, and the Buccaneers making changes. Jameis Winston will not be one of them. He will be their starter in 2019. I'm fairly confident of that, or at least compete for the starting job. But they've got to hire a head coach, and uh, I'm anxious to see who that's going to be. So make sure you uh, check us out. Online uh, on Twitter at SportsDayTV. You can tra- check out me at NFL Stroud or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great Monday, everybody. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. <laughs> 